So before we get started, I, I think I'd be remiss. Uh, my apologies, because I know this is about a day late, uh, but I wanted to send my condolences and my heart out to the families of the 12 people um, that were just senselessly shot uh, over in Virginia Beach. I don't, I just, I know nobody has an answer for something like this, um, but you know, I'm praying uh, that we are able to come together as a community, um, that we can continue to just form and shape the hearts of individuals, that they just wouldn't go sour over something like this, and that ultimately God's love will prevail because, like I said, it's just unnecessary. Uh, so definitely my heart's out uh, to those families and just praying for the city, you know, because this is one of those things, you know, this, it gets national attention. Um, and then what do you do? Some people want to take matters into their own hands, and I know we, we don't have time for that. We have to put them in God's hands. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And if uh, we continue to process through our culture, then he doesn't get that opportunity. So I'm just praying if they're speaking to anybody right now, uh, especially if you're MVB, uh, just listen to God. I pray that you would just hold close and hold fast to him um, and just see what he's going to do in this situation, because I'm pretty sure whatever it is, it'll be much more of a blessing. No matter how it feels right now, I can guarantee it'll definitely be uh, much more of a blessing. But uh, to the families of the 12, uh, praying for you. To the families of the shooter, definitely praying for you as well. Um, because who knows uh, how you guys are feeling just the same. Uh, but, you know, without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, new episode. Let's get it, man. get started and show people come in and hang out can't wait welcome to the let's get it podcast i am jordan brown really, really glad to have you guys up here um, always an honor and a pleasure to, to share conversations with good people uh, so uh, tonight we are continuing uh, the conversation on forgiveness university uh, fu for short and uh, this evening segment is going to be titled forgiveness isn't math when the words of jesus don't make sense uh, to us so uh, before we get started i uh, just want to say like once again thank you uh, for joining and then also i uh, want to encourage you guys uh, if you haven't yet please uh, check out the podcast itself it's got a couple extra snippets and things up there um, be sure to subscribe if you want to. Uh, there's a link in my bio uh, up here. There's also a link in the bio on uh, Instagram at the inspired one. 
Uh, so be sure to follow that. Follow that. Really appreciate it. Uh, but I don't want to waste any time because, like y'all, I'm pretty sure you've had a long day. I've had a long day and I cannot wait uh, to just kind of go home and relax. But I did want to have a, a, a good time with you guys this evening. So welcome, Court. How you doing? So good to see you. Uh, sis, miss you guys up there in New Jersey. Having a good time, hopefully, though. Uh, so, yeah, Forgiveness University. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and catch us up. If you haven't had a chance, scope the first two episodes. Uh, the first one, yeah, hi. Um, the first one was really just us breaking down a, a definition of forgiveness that probably people haven't heard before. I was trying to find something that I thought was really relevant uh, in today's culture, especially in our culture. And I found one uh, from a very interesting uh, guy who was a professor at USC. Uh, and he basically told us that forgiveness, uh, not USC, Lord have mercy, um, neither here nor there. Uh, forgiveness is the ability to make peace with the word no, uh, which I know is, is interesting enough because when you think about forgiveness, you think about forgiving people, um, I don't think any of us will carry the concept in our minds at that particular point in time that uh, someone has told us no. Uh, but the way that he phrases it is perfect. He says, you know, when that partner chooses uh, to be um, unfaithful and involve themselves in infidelity, they basically said no to the commitment of being with you um, faithfully for the rest of your lives. You know, or uh, when someone goes above and beyond uh and and sucking at life and just doing stuff that causes you pain um and they're not apologetic about it they're basically saying no to carrying out <laughs> your will uh for having peace you know so when we think about that i think that the definition is, is pretty solid and it's pretty straight on um and you know then last week we talked about um fu2 self-forgiveness 101 because i feel like uh, in context, if you're looking at any situation where you are having issues forgiving people, a big piece of that may be uh, your ability to be able to forgive yourself. Um, or even when you're having problems accepting forgiveness as well. That's another piece. Um, it's, it's difficult when we live lives of imperfection and we're having to approach a perfect God. And we're looking at him after we've made mistake after mistake, time after time. And you just keep asking God for forgiveness, asking God for forgiveness. Uh, when we always tend to forget that he died on the cross over 2000 years ago. And in the process of doing that, he set us free from pretty much anything that we will uh, ever do. Any any mistake, any sin that we will ever commit. It doesn't give us the right to go out there and just sin and sin. That's not how that works. Um, but what it did was, by grace, it gave us the opportunity to stumble, to get up, and just to walk it out again, you know. And so with that, um, I wanted to encourage everybody uh, to make sure that when you are approaching yourself, um, use the love and use the grace that Christ uh, had for you when he died on that cross because he knew that this was going to be a difficult walk for each and every one of us. Uh, so, you know. That being said, I don't want to go too far into it. Please listen to those two episodes if you haven't yet. Um, but I did want to go ahead and journey into this evening. Like I said, the title for tonight is um, Forgiveness Isn't Math. You know, when the words of Jesus don't add up, and in parentheses, for us, 
so, you know, as we as we journey in, you know, I got Bible <clears throat> and that's really uh, what I wanted to use uh, to provide the revelation that Christ gave for me uh, just in my Bible study. Uh, Aaron, what's up, homie? Brandon, sir. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is this is a thing now. Um, you know, the Lord told me do something with my life. And so that's that's what's happening right now. Uh, but yeah, journey with me, man. Um, if you guys have an opportunity, you got your Bibles with you or you got your Bible app, whatever it is, um, open it up to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to start at 15. And the setting here is um, it's it's basically the disciples asking Jesus a bunch of unnecessary questions. It's what it comes down to. Um, and what's happening is they're trying to figure out who the greatest in the kingdom is going to be. He's trying to tell them you're looking at the wrong thing. Um, and in the process, he starts breaking down this, uh, this lesson on not just forgiveness, but also, um, the process of correction, how we're supposed to do it. And so what he's doing is he is giving us the direct insight into how he would do things, which means we probably need to be paying attention, uh, because it's going to help us out and probably make our lives a little less, uh, I guess, trouble, troublesome, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, so we are in Matthew 18 and I want to pick it up for you, um, at verse 15. And so right now what he's doing is he's giving us instructions. He's giving us the instructions on what to do when we're approaching people who have offended or have uh, committed an offense. Uh, there's a, a bit of a difference between the two. I might explain it just a little bit. Uh, but in 15, it says, if another believer sins against you, and um, actually, if you look at the original language, um, it may not actually say against you. So if somebody just sins, but, you know, for the sake of Forgiveness University, we can rock with it. It's cool. Um, and also in the original language, the direct address here from Jesus is singular. So even though he's talking to all the disciples, you got to know that he's actually just talking to them as an individual, like each one individually. Uh, so this isn't an address to a corporate crowd, even though he is addressing the corporate crowd. Moving on. Um, if another believer sins against you, go privately, go privately and point out the offense. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So that's interesting enough in itself. This one's for free. The aim in this entire ordeal is not to make your point and not to win an argument. Oh, Jesus. Uh, probably a lot. Yep. Like three people left right there. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the aim is to actually win your brother over. The aim is to not punish them. So I know a big piece in forgiveness sometimes is us being able to get over the fact that somebody wronged us. Um, and in the process of atonement, my bet is that you will like them to feel the pain that you felt. Um, and, you know, the big deal in that is this isn't necessary. Uh, it really isn't. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to engage them in a way that illuminates our pain to them without them necessarily having to feel it. And to be honest with you, if you do it the right way, I'm willing to bet somebody's uh, willing to have a, a decent amount of remorse and just feeling bad for whatever they might have done for you. I know when people come to me the right way, I'm always remorseful, always willing to say sorry, always willing to do what I can to make that situation right. Uh, so, you know, just something to keep in mind. Let's win our brother over. Let's win our sister over. Let's not just sit up here and lord something over him and just tell him, yo, you hurt me, so I, now I want you to feel how I felt. Don't do that. That's ratchet. Anyway, um, but if you are unsuccessful, picking it up in verse uh, 16, 
take one or two others um, and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by those two or three witnesses. And so what this really is, is just laying out the law of accountability and having people in your world that you can trust, that trust you. Um, ooh, here's one that are unbiased uh, to a situation, because when it comes down to it, we all got people that are friends that are on our side. And, you know, when it comes when when, when we're looking at um, how we approach being offended, first of all, before we even go any further, usually that only involves us internalizing certain things and then presenting that offense to that person and using everything that we got, you know, um, to to make them feel all of that. You know, and then if that's not working, that we want to get people who we know are on our side. And we don't want to, you know, get somebody who might say, yeah, you know what you're saying, it makes some sense. But at the same time, I think you might be pressing the issue just a little too much. Uh, if we are willing to get past ourselves enough to go ahead and bring in unbiased people who probably care about both of us just the same, I'm willing to bet that the situation could be diffused a lot quicker and there's no offense that passes in the process. Something to think about, because I know we live in this, what is it, love and hip-hop society nowadays, uh, where everybody goes zero to 100 real quick. Um, the second that you accidentally step on somebody's puma, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is, I know you feel it. I know I felt it before. The minute you get mad, the first thing you want to do is pop off. And that's not how that's supposed to be. And then secondly, when you do um, try and resolve the situation, don't get people who you know are just going to be on your side. That's just going to sit up there and stuff. I think I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to nail this on the head for a reason. Uh, I've seen too many people get in arguments and, and have confrontations. And the first thing they do is try and get people to pick sides. You know what I'm saying? God forbid somebody's getting divorced um, and y'all got a lifelong group of friends and you ask people to pick sides. It's not cool. That's not how that's supposed to work. So please do me a favor. Stop it. We ain't got enough time. I got to move on. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so where am I? 17. So if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. We can stop there for a second. I don't know how many times I've seen people have issues, but I can tell you that I can probably count on my fingers and toes how many times I've seen people take that specifically to the church. I got 10 fingers and 10 toes. And to be honest with you, if I'm if I'm really, really thinking about it, I'm probably just dealing with my fingers. Um, I know that our culture is very progressive and you can call it postmodern or whatever the case may be. Uh, and in that, we find no means of resolve in church. Just like if we're thinking about it, we find no means of resolve in the Bible. That's scary. Because the Bible is supposed to be our be all and end all It's supposed to have every answer that we're looking for. Um, and if we're not looking to it first and instead we're looking to God knows what, um, then, yeah, we're, we're going to be in a world of trouble because whatever our means of resolve is, it's not going to be the right resolve. Somebody's probably going to get more hurt than necessary. Um, and somebody will most likely uh, end up harboring such an offense that it either a um, causes bitterness in them that makes them cease relationship with people. Uh, or if we're looking at this from this picture, especially in the Bible, uh, let's say you do go to the church 
so many people aren't used to that, that I'm guaranteeing you they'll be offended by whatever somebody in the church says, whether you take it to a pastor or a spiritual leader, whatever the case may be, they're going to leave the church all because they're not used to what should be second nature in their lives. And of course, right now I'm talking to Christians. So if you're a non-believer, I love you. Just continue to listen. I appreciate you. Uh, but if you are a believer and you have issue with taking your um, conflict, fine, to a church that you say you go to because you love it and it loves you, I'm going to need you to rethink your process on that. You can probably need to get that thing corrected because if you don't, um, I mean, I love you, but you're going to be bitter and you're going to be upset. You're going to be against the cause of, of Christ when it comes down to it. Yeah, don't think about it that way, but that's what I'm talking about uh, for no reason. Um, so, you know, the, the encouragement in this is this gives us an opportunity to get things right. Like we've always needed to do in the first place. That's why God gave us grace. That's why we get to do what we do and live the life that we live. Um, but yeah, so I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm probably beating more dead horses than I need to right now tonight. So I'm just going to keep it moving. Uh, cause now we need to talk about the math. So we're finishing up Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, uh, the second half of this verse. And this is where I really want to nail some stuff down. So then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. Treat that person as a, a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. This is interesting to me because if you think about what's being said right now, not what, I'm sorry, think about who's saying it. <clears throat> because these are red letters in the Bible, which means that Jesus is saying them. He is giving, he's giving direction. He's giving instruction here. And the thing that I think we always glance over when we look at this verse specifically is how we actually approach the statement that he makes. Treat them as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. It's a problem that, that is in need of serious reproach here because how did Jesus actually treat pagan people or corrupt tax collectors? For example, we can say Mary, or we can say like the sinful woman, whatever you want to call them. Um, Mary or the sinful woman participated in pagan practices of prostitution. Yet, in the end, we know that by means of whatever argument of, of who she was in Jesus's life, she was one who was very close to Jesus. So something is not adding up here because we would assume that if we're treating somebody like a pagan, uh, we are kicking them out of the church. We're having nothing to do with them. Uh Oh, uh, what about a corrupt tax collector? Well, in the Bible, there's a story about some dude named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was definitely a corrupt tax collector. Admitted it. Um, but something in him ended up desiring a relationship with Christ. He ends up in the tree because he's dumb short. Shout out to all the short people. And uh, Mike raising his arm over there. Love you, boy. Uh, but yeah, so he <laughs> gets called down from the tree. And what does Jesus do with him? Jesus cusses him out, right? Jesus tells him, yo, you suck for taking all people's money, bro. Like, you need to go to jail like homeboy in that whole Nike scandal right now. Um, no, he doesn't do that. 
he ends up going and dining in his house and spending time with him and forming a relationship with him so much so that what happens? He gives his life to Christ that very day and commits to righting all the wrongs, all the wrongs, all that he had ever done to any people that he collected more than his fair share of taxes from. So if we're putting this all in perspective, I think that um, as this feeds into the understanding of forgiveness and forgiveness university, bruh, we are looking at how we handle people and specifically believers and then specifically, specifically believers who wrong us because, I mean, let's just be honest, they're people. Um, <laughs> we're handling them the wrong way. There's no other way to say it. If you think for one second that you can expect perfection out of any individual, uh, then you can expect that you wouldn't have to forgive them. But because we know we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people, maybe we need to take a second out and start to not diagnose people <clears throat> for whatever the heck they're doing to us. Uh, but look at them through the same eyes that Christ will look look to look look at them as you know um as a sinful woman pagan practicing prostitution all that good stuff or as a corrupt tax collector that's all i'm saying um because in the end for me if we're not doing that then what we are doing does not add up uh i don't care what you tell me um if you're mad at somebody because they did something and it was obviously a wrong on their part uh, but all you can tell me is how horrible of a person that they are or how much you need to get them back for whatever they did. You know, it's, it's, it's eye for an eye. And last time I checked, Christ said eye for an eye makes the whole world blind or something like that. But you get the point. Um, so I just I want to move on a little bit um, and actually really want to approach the next passage, verse 18, where he says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven um, as well. I, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is extra interesting that he would make such a statement right here. Um, and I got to go to my notes on this one. It says as follows. If you think about all the struggles of humanity, uh, what we do and don't let go of, uh, it's no surprise to me how the Bible talks about the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, we know there's already an issue when an angel gets kicked out of heaven. I can only imagine what us and our problems are going to do to the mix. Like for real. If you think that heaven is an amazing and an awesome place, and it is, um, the, the outside thought, and the perspective that I want to offer to you is that we are living in the middle of a story that has already been well played out from the very beginning of time. And the cool part about it is, Eric Castaño, what's up, bro? Love you, man. Um, the thing about it is we already know that we win in the end, but how all of that plays out is a totally different story. And the thing about it is we have to play our part. And our part consists of being more Christ-like. Um, and being more Christ-like is probably the biggest struggle we're ever going to have living on this earth because I don't know about you, but when I think about, you know, how people wrong me 
are the baggage that I still carry in this lifetime, the stuff that I'm working on and trying very hard to let go of. Um, that's not what I want to do. That's not my first thought. My first thought probably involves things that may potentially have me incarcerated um, for murder. And, you know, last I checked, it's three square meals a day in, in the pen is, is, is cool for some people, but it's not cool for me. Uh, so I would encourage you to really think about that because this is big picture stuff. Big picture stuff is knowing that when I get to heaven, I want to make sure that whatever I bind um, is only going to bless heaven and it's not going to give it any more problems than it's already had. You know what I'm saying? Like God already had to kick somebody out of heaven. I want to make sure you don't have to kick me out too. You know, um, and likewise, uh, whatever I lose, whatever I really want to bless people on this earth with, because I understand whatever I bless people on this earth with is going to bless God and his heart. And it's going to bless heaven when I get there as well. That's probably the best way of thinking about that. Um, in my opinion, I could be absolutely wrong or maybe there's something even better than that. But I encourage you, uh, really do yourself a favor um, and just remember that it's interesting um, I know I got a lot of thoughts on that. I really don't have time to, to open that up. Uh, nonetheless, I, I want to keep moving. Um, and want to scroll down actually a couple of verses, uh, in Matthew 18, I want to go to verse 21. Uh, and this now begins something else. It's a, it's a new era. It's a new part of the passage. It's, um, it's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. And we don't have time to get into that, uh, I really do want to break it down. Maybe I'll take that and make it part of another episode. Um, but I want to talk about Peter. Because uh, Peter is telling us, oh, God, he's telling us a lot. You have to remember who Peter is. You know what I'm saying? Peter is that dude who was the most on fire, if you want to call it that, um, of, of all the disciples. And at the same time, he was the fakest. Interesting. If you look at his two names, um, they, they tell you it's a story in itself, you know what I'm saying? Cause Peter, you know, remember Peter is Peter's rock. Um, but before that he's Simon and Simon means Reed and Reed was basically something that kind of flow back and forth to and fro. Um, and in this flowing, that means that he was vacillating, oscillating and not making the right decisions or, or just, you know, maybe saying one thing and then turning around and doing something totally different. Um, so that's what we're looking at when we approach Peter. So I, I think it's interesting that we, we have him asking the question that he's about to ask in verse 21, where he says, uh, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? First of all, it's about the most selfish sounding nonsense, but we, we don't have time to break that down. Um, and then he says seven times, and you know, if you're a numerologist and I am to a certain extent that, you know, that the number seven, uh, is symbolic of completion or, or fullness um, in the Bible. And it's funny because, you know, seven times, I don't know if he really just meant the number seven. I don't know if seven is actually a symbolic number to be used here specifically. Um, but Jesus's answer uh, definitely carries a bit of symbolism. And it also carries a lot of heaviness uh, where he says, no, not seven times, uh, but 77 times or um, I think some people say that it might actually be seven times 77. But the bottom line in that is Jesus is telling him, Peter, my boy, whatever you think and forgiveness is, is, is involved in, in your life, you need to take that and ramp it up as, as high as you can ramp it. And I love the message in this, number one, because, you know, when you're addressing the character of Peter, I don't know who else out there is like a Peter. I used to be like a Peter. I used to be a whole lot like a Peter. 
where I just swore to God, you know, I was going to be that dude all the time. There's no way that you're going to tell me that I'm going to sit up here and deny God. And then, you know, I just had a season in life, especially after I graduated from college where, you know, I might have said God is good, but me clubbing at night was telling me something, was telling people something different. You know, or, you know, just me desiring other things besides what God had as a call on my life and purpose on my life was telling people something different, you know, and I don't know if that's the life that you live right now. I pray that it's not. But, you know, there's grace and this is why we always walk through stuff. But I also remember specifically at that time in life when somebody wronged me. Um, I would probably have approached this in a Peter way, too, because. If you think about it, when Peter says seven times, he feels like he's given Jesus the answer already. And the issue in that is he clearly is not because, yeah, I'm sorry, you're, you're giving Jesus an answer to something. But Jesus is God and God is omniscient. He knows everything. So if he knows everything and you think you're going to do something by giving him an answer, just prepare to be one up. Just it's, it's going to happen every single time. And that's exactly what happens right now. Seventy seven times or seventy seven times seven. Jesus is basically telling Peter yo, what you thought you were doing and being able to say you can forgive somebody seven times, that ain't nothing. And I also think that what it was was a bit of a precursor and it was a heads up to the kind of life that Peter was going to have to live after that because you see what happens when Jesus dies, is born again, or rose again, ascended into heaven, um, and then out of nowhere, bam, it's it's Peter's time to make moves. It's Peter's time to 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 speak, to preach, uh, to minister to people, to become a pastor, and then also to endure a crap load of persecution, like a mess of persecution. You can't tell me that Peter and the other disciples besides John endured persecution to the point of death. And all of their deaths are some raucous things. Like if you want to read about them, because I'm not going to talk about them right now, but just understand that the way the disciples died, yo, be happy that we live in the time that we do. Because to be a persecuted Christian back then was pretty much too, was pretty much going to be to die. And if you died, you died bad. It's pretty much how that goes. Um, but back to this, I think that it was a precursor also for us because it is a reminder of us thinking that we're probably doing something right a certain way. And God telling us, especially when it comes to forgiveness, my God, um, God telling us, no, I'm sorry. Uh, and then the way I'm going to show you that is somebody's going to wrong you and I'm going to allow it. And how are you going to respond to it? Um, it's not the easiest thing by any means to be able to forgive a person. I think it's probably one of the hardest things we will ever have to do again. That's why I think I really wanted to start off by having this conversation um, because I feel like us not doing this, and we'll probably talk about this next week, is the main thing that continues to incarcerate our ability to proceed and progress in life. You're not moving forward if the only thing you're doing is thinking about the bitterness that you harbor for another individual. You're always going to be held back. Um, but, you know, I got to keep it moving. We got a little bit more to go through. Um, and specifically, actually, I want to take a look at this uh, same passage um, in another uh, book in Luke chapter 17. Um, and it, it doesn't say that it's Peter directly uh, because all of them do different things. Uh, but what it does do is it addresses the same situation but it warrants a different answer. And the answer actually comes from all of the, uh, all the disciples in Luke 17, 
uh, verse one, where it says, Jesus said to the disciples, remember, this is the same story, um, talking about forgiveness, uh, also talking about millstones, which you also saw in Matthew 18, if I read the whole thing, uh, but neither here nor there. Um, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them uh, to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. And this is where we can pick back up on the original conversation. Um, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now watch this. This is the response from the apostles. The apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Um, so, you know, the gospels tell the same story a whole bunch of different ways. So it's not that anybody's way is wrong. It's their account. It's what they remember. So who knows? Both of these things probably happen. But I love the fact that we get to see this one and we get to see this narrative told this way, too, because it's telling us how daunting of a task it is actually going to be uh, dealing with our brothers and sisters. And the thing about this is also you have to remember that in this case specifically, we're talking about Christians. I haven't even opened up the door of dealing with non-believers. And guess what? It gets worse, especially when you're dealing with non-believers, because I think that's what's missing here. It doesn't say anything about them. And to be honest with you, in my opinion, this is going to be the most unfair uh, because they don't or they choose not to understand. Uh, And so therefore, when they do that, they automatically command our forgiveness. And what does this mean? Um, They do so for one reason. You know, our bitterness and acts rooted in bitterness cause our witness and testimony to collapse. So I'll put it this way. Here's our big picture in understanding why we as Christians cannot um, cannot just give in to our desire to not be a forgiving people, to not be a loving people. Unbelievers are always on the outside looking in, no matter what the case may be. And they're looking in from the outside, trying to see a few things. And I think one of the main things I've learned that unbelievers are looking for is they're looking to see how we as supposed believers are going to respond and how we're going to react. And if somebody has harmed us or if somebody has, uh, you know, offended us, caused us to stop, whatever the case may be, um, I'm willing to bet 100% of the time that whatever your reaction is, they're going to remember that more than anything else you say about being a Christian. And that's a problem or it's a good thing. It just depends on how you, you, you deal with the situation. Um, as they're on the outside looking in, we have to remember that even if they offend us, that does not give us license to snap back at them. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Uh, it does not give us license to snap back at them because in the, in the long run, they're going to remember that the day that they come across the moment they, they get the decision to make, um, you know, to make a decision to, to have a relationship with Christ. And if 
they're looking back on all the things that they've encountered or they've experienced with other Christians specifically. And the one thing they remember about you is that they hurt you, they offended you, and that you came with them with everything you had. I got a funny feeling that's going to that's gonna affect whether or not they decide to be a believer. And if that's part of the legacy that you're looking to build as a believer, then you probably need to take a step back and reevaluate exactly how you approach people, uh, believers and non-believers alike, but especially non-believers. Because remember, I'm sure everybody who has a pastor has heard a pastor say it's not about you. And they're right. It's not. But the thing is, it's also about you. It's about the decision you decide to make it is about how you decide to live your life. Cause I can guarantee you this. I've seen countless individuals. I'm just going to talk about the people who did it right. Um, and I've had conversations with many of them just asking them what the secret to this sauce is, you know what I'm saying? Because this life is hard, especially as a Christian. And I'm like, yo, what are you doing? That's helping you. What are you doing? That makes all the difference in the world for you. Um, and, most of them will tell me and you know this is a a big piece i think i want to do a topic on this too having to do with mistakes and failure um they don't have a problem with the mistakes and the failures that they they've they've had or made in this lifetime um because they know that it's just a part of history and the thing about history is it doesn't have to be big history. You ain't got to look in a history book or anything like that. It's their own personal history. And those who do not learn from their history are doomed to repeat it. Really simple stuff. Until you realize, oh, shoot, <laughs> especially if you're dealing with something like forgiveness, how did I handle that situation? Because you don't want to be the one who remembers years from now that there's an individual that you had a chance to impact positively, um, but you did not do so. And then I'm just going to be real. That individual never made a decision for Christ and they pass away. And now it's not certain where they're going to go. And you don't want that on your head. Life and death. It's a sense of urgency and understanding that if you're not going to do what you can to ensure that everybody makes it to heaven by any means necessary, including falling on your own sword every now and again, Bro, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry um, in advance, but that's not going to be one of those things that God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant uh, to you for. I'm just, just going to put that out there. Um, so I got nothing else tonight, um, but I do want to encourage you guys. This is this homework. This is, again, Forgiveness University. I, I really want to encourage you. Please go back <clears throat> and just think about situations where you've been dealing specifically with believers first um, and how you handle them. Because remember that we are all guided by the relationships in our lives. And if your relationships are, I'm going to say fractured, fractured, that's a good word to use. Uh, I'm not going to say broken. I'll just say fractured. Um, What part did you play in fracturing it? Or even more importantly, what part did you play in trying to mend it? That's a good one. Um, So, yeah, if you're dealing specifically with believers, people that you know, people that you grew up in in church with or something, and y'all had a falling out, whatever the case may be, um, and people do that often. And then also when it comes to unbelievers, uh, it's going to be the heaviest one, but, you know, what is it that has 
uh, cause you to become bitter when it comes to dealing with them? What have they done to wrong you? And then the question that you asked directly after that is, um, why does that even matter? Ouch. Because remember how important it is to see them one day up there in heaven. Uh, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I know it's not how our culture works. If somebody wrongs you, have nothing to do with them. I ain't rocking with you no more. Don't talk to me. Don't come for me because I didn't send for you. Whatever. I, I really don't care. Um, as I end, I just want to encourage you guys because I love each and every person uh, with the love of the Lord, if nothing else, that we are really on the battle lines. Um, and this is so big because it talks about a bunch of stuff. We are on the battle lines of, 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 of divided, um, people groups. And I think the biggest divided people group is Christians because you're a Methodist or you're a Baptist or you're a nothing because you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. Oh, don't talk about that Jordan because you know, <laughs> because you're a bunch of things that really leave you divided. And if you're not for, then you're automatically against. Um, and so that makes it even easier for you to be offended. And then that makes it easier for you to not even want to forgive because why would you forgive somebody who's not on your team? But guess what? I'm sorry. We're all on the same team. All right. I didn't, I didn't say too much. I'm gonna shut up. Okay. Um, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, again, uh, please tune in probably the same time next week. Um, we'll be looking at an, another amazing uh, and wonderful topic that you're probably gonna get mad at me about, but look, I got mad at myself. So just, I love you deal with it. Um, and then, uh, also, again, if you uh, haven't yet, please subscribe. Um, I will be doing the raffle for the $225 gift cards uh, next week, and I'll probably put contest details on the Instagram page and the Facebook page, so please look out for those. Uh, again, it's just my way of saying thank you. It's the least I can do for anybody tuning in. Um, and then please share uh, with other people, and please give me feedback, whatever the case may be. Um, tell me that, you know, everybody's saying I'm a little too Barry White and I'm trying, but I don't want to be too loud up here, uh, cause I don't want to feel like I'm yelling at nobody. So just pray for me and work with me on that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Hey, thank you. Uh, praying for you. If you have any prayer requests or praise reports, uh, I'm serious. Cause I only got like one, uh, please send them. And it's not like I'm gonna out anybody or anything. If you want to keep it private, that's cool, but send them to my email, uh, inspired one USA again, inspired the number one. USA at gmail.com. And, you know, I look forward to hearing the awesome testimonies from the prayers. Uh, it ain't like I'm doing nothing. It's all God. But uh, thank you once again. Can't say thank you enough. Uh, love you guys. And hope to see y'all tune in next week. Take care. Be peace. Hey, what's good, guys? It's, uh, it's me again. And I know we just finished doing a live podcast. Uh, and again, thank you so very much for checking that out. Uh, but, you know, I just had a couple of thoughts real quick. Um, if we are uh, getting open and honest and being real, I wanted to revisit a few things because if I'm being honest with myself, I feel like the podcast, doing it live and organically unscripted uh, for the most, leaves room for oops. That That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and in this oops, I, I feel like I should revisit or maybe even clarify uh, a few things. So I will gladly call this a just in case slash SMH review. Yeah, just bear with me. Anyway, um, number one, I feel like I didn't stress this enough. In Matthew chapter 18, where it says go privately, 
uh, to your neighbor, go privately to your brother. This is is this is something. This is a must. You know, I don't I don't feel like we do any go privately uh, anymore. I think we do. Everybody got to know and posting our issues on social media platforms, uh, and then we wonder why people don't want to rock with us. You know, just a thought. Uh, I feel like this is a face facts moment. Um, we could definitely benefit from being able to go privately to our brother, our sister, our neighbor. And I know it's probably uncomfortable, but it's something that we really need to work on. So do me a favor. Don't bypass this. Cool. Number two, uh, when it comes to Peter and Jesus, I just want to revisit this one for sure. Um, especially when it comes to Peter, uh, I feel like I missed out the big, the biggest example uh, that we have of, of dealing with Peter and Jesus and forgiveness uh, is when Peter did the one thing that Jesus said he would do. Peter wronged Jesus, you know, I mean, come on, man. Like he was bold enough to cut a most likely unarmed man's ear off, uh, but couldn't boldly tell a little girl that he was rolling with Jesus after he'd been taken. It's not like they would have even taken him into custody. Think about that. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Number three, where they say uh, in Luke 17, Lord, increase our faith. Man, I think I really did y'all a disservice. My bad on that. Um, I really didn't touch on how much it takes faith to forgive. So again, my bad. Uh, faith is one of the most essential pieces necessary for forgiveness because if not, you can only operate in the facts of your present state and not in the substance of the things you should hope for and the evidence of things you don't see. And also, please don't get this twisted either. It doesn't matter how a believer asks for it. That is your forgiveness. Um, also, even if they don't do it the way you desire or take it a step further, uh, even if they don't really ask for it, that's almost not cool. Almost because they should know better. Uh, but if they do ask for it, give it, forgive. Uh, and then lastly, uh, just an asterisk more than a number four regarding the whole non-believers piece. Um, and why they command our forgiveness every single time. I just I wanted to revisit this too. Uh, remember that your actions speak louder than your words. Not trying to seem graceless to us Christians. Uh, and no, we are not designed to just lay down and get walked over. This is not the kind of culture. That's not the theology I'm trying to bring here. I'm just hoping to inspire a sense of urgency in believers as we approach a culture that assumes many things about the capital C church. So that's all Christians uh, that unfortunately have proved themselves true in certain instances. And we will definitely talk about that one day, but we don't have time right now. So we've done some really horrible things throughout the generations. I'm praying uh, we can also champion the two things that will rectify them all. And that is reconciliation and redemption. If we focus on those two movements, which is what the gospel ultimately represents. Uh, I promise we will reverse years of damage done by the enemy and humanity. Yeah, I said that just like that. I'm done. Anyway, tune in next week. And remember, as always, to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Uh, be blessed. Be peace. Love y'all. Thank you.